We would like to start this episode off with a trigger warning. This episode will feature talk of domestic abuse and some instances of sexual assault. Our featured nonprofit this year is <laughs> this year. Oh my goodness. Uh this episode is the Women's Resource Center. The mission of the Women's Resource Center is to protect, shelter, and empower people impacted by domestic and sexual violence. They have many resources, including one-on-one support, an open helpline available 24-7, 365 days a year, group support, emergency shelter, and so much more. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit their website at womensresourcecenter.org. squad welcome to another episode of gloom squad our featured guest this week is my friend Lacey um, she's a really good friend of mine from back home uh, in Michigan so we're happy to have her and chat about some relationships and mental health today so Lacey why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so I grew up in northern Michigan I live here with my two kids and my partner um, we have a great Dane and I do marketing for a living but hoping to transition into the mental health field sometime in the future when COVID is over. COVID is so fun, isn't it? Just it so inhibits so everything for us. I'm so sick it really of does. I know <laughs> it's it. It's true. And yeah, I kind of, I don't know, it's been a good, for me, it's been good and I feel guilty saying that because it's, it's caused me to pause and reflect. Like when you don't have anywhere to go, like you, you can focus on yourself. It's really hard to to avoid your triggers when you're stuck at home doing nothing and you're just left to deal with yourself. I found being at home that I've noticed a lot of my triggers are focused around being at home. Like the kids Mm. are big stress triggers and I never realized how big of a stress stressor it is in my life to parent. And then, I don't know. And then I don't know, just being stuck at home is such a trigger, I think. Yeah, at least me personally, like not feeling like I can get out of my head and then just at least like I feel like I have to really dig deep and pull out a lot of tools in my toolbox to handle being at home with fucking everybody. I realized how avoidant I am. I like I've known for a long time, like I have a tendency to be, uh, what is it, in relationship styles and, and avoider. But when you're stuck, you can't avoid and you really have to face like how much you do avoid versus like, you know, I was, I was able to like go away to work or go away and do this thing. Um, but for me, it's really been a time of needing to face how much I avoid coming into the present, which sucks and is hard. Like I'm never going to say it's fun to do that stuff, but it's been eye opening. I think is probably the best way to put it. Just but that sucky working through shit. <laughs> but I think it's really awesome that you're taking the time to do this and confronting those things instead of falling back on your normal routine of trying to find other ways to fill that or to avoid it. So yeah. I think that's really awesome that you're doing that. I don't know if I'm doing it well, so <laughs> you'd have to as ask me. As long as you're doing it, as long as you're doing it, you're doing it well. There's still hours of Real Housewives of OC that are happening. Oh boy. Real Housewives of Midwest. Can we, can we start yeah. a show like that? Yes, that would be please. amazing. <laughs> I don't know what role I would play in that show, but yes. I think you have like the UP girl, you know, you'd have it. <laughs> Not really a housewife, but I'm like a zoo wrangler at this point. That's basically that all of my... I think Lacey and I can agree that we kind of feel like zoo wranglers with children anyway, so you fit right in. That's fair. Oh my gosh. That's fair. Although it might be them wrangling me. (laughs) Mine are older. They're 11 and 9, and so (laughs) I feel like sometimes our roles reverse. Are they the same gender kids? Are they what? Are they the same gender kids? Like, are they both girls? Are they both? No, my oldest is a girl. Um, She's 11, and then my youngest is a boy so he's nine and they they're I'm great jealous so I didn't expect to have kids um I didn't want to have kids both of them were surprises and I think after the second surprise I kind of figured out what caused that I think it's you do your laundry together um but <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
So, but I'm so happy I have them and they have, they've been life changing for me. So I'm still by no means a Pinterest mom, but. Hey, your kids are awesome. I love your Pinterest kids. Pinterest moms are overrated. It's true. It's so true. I, I mean, like, no offense to any of you Pinterest moms that are listening. Like, good for you if that's how you, you know. Yeah, keep Shauna, we love you. Need you. Yes, yeah. Shauna. Like, Shauna, we love you. <laughs> if it weren't for them, we would not have birthday parties. I, no. I depend on my Pinterest moms, but. If it I weren't for Shauna, there would be a lot of things that would have never happened in our friendship and our little lives here as our, our group back home. So true. That is so true. <laughs> So let's get into it a little bit. Um, Lacey, do you want to talk a little bit about your own like mental health and kind of when you started noticing it in your life? Yeah, um, I feel like I've, I have always been, the word my mom would use is I was over emotional as a child, um, but that's because I grew up in the Midwest and in the 90s and, and we don't do feelings here, not like that. It's um, you know, suck it up and move on. And, and I could never move on. Um, That's some bullshit. I hate it. I'm so sick of that mentality. You're over emotional when you're just like, you're just being human. You're just being a child. It's so true. And I think too, like children exemplify what's going on around them. And if you live in a stressful environment, they're going to be stressful. And then coupled with the fact that I'm an empath, um, just really made for, big feelings a lot of the time, but then it wasn't, um, it wasn't always a stable childhood. And so I think from that developed a lot of anxiety and and mental health, but it wasn't until probably my mid twenties that I finally came to the terms like, you have anxiety. Like I thought it was, I have trouble focusing or I would explode. My anxiety tends to come out in anger. Um, So I'll, I'll let it build and build and then I exploded and um, and so I was kind of aware of it in my 20s and then I went through a hurricane um, in 2017 it was Hurricane Harvey and we lost everything like it was just complete devastation and I came out of that with PTSD and you know I didn't feel like I was allowed to call it PTSD because that's what you get when you come home from the army but it really took I've been working with the counselor for the last three years and she was the one who finally was like, Lacey, this is PTSD. And, and, you know, you just, you can't function like your amygdala takes over and that's your like, a tiger is going to eat me. And that takes over the prefrontal cortex. And for me, it was like kind of therapy through, I have no control over this. And so for the last three years, it's been a walk out of PTSD for me. And, And what does that look like with anxiety? Also coupled with getting into an abusive relationship with that time. So for me, there's like this strong correlation between anxiety um, and mental health disorder. I don't know if that's what PTSD is called, a disorder. Um, and, then, so. and then an abusive relationship really made for an, interest, an interesting trifecta over the last three years. The perfect storm, yeah. if you will. Yes, yeah. a nice a little job. hurricane. Yeah, it's my own emotional hurricane. Hurricane Lacey happened. No, somebody didn't put that on me. That was not me. No, that was not you. Do not it take has any a name, but it shall not be that. named. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I remember that hurricane. That was rough. That was hard for a lot of people, including and just knowing you and knowing like your family was down there and how much you guys lost and the issues with your landlord and everything. It was rough. Yeah, our landlord told us that we had flood insurance and we didn't. What and we didn't realize that until yeah, we were like cleaning out our house and you know people hear a hurricane and I think like being from the midwest we're like oh clean rivers and water and in the south and with hurricanes it's not clean it's sewage like you're cleaning through sewage and the smell and then the heat and then Oof. you know there's when you lose something my therapist said the way and she's not comparing it to to this but she said the brain fires up um you know under a scan the same way that it does under rape. Like when you go through like a natural disaster, it does the same as sexual assault. Um, and I, I've had sexual assault in my history and, and I can tell you it's not the same, but there's definitely this sense of I have no control and that loss of control and the walk out of the sexual assault was really similar to my walk out of the hurricane. Just a lot more drugs and drinking <laughs> the last few years. We all dabble. 
We all self-medicate. <laughs> Do not recommend. Yelp review is like no stars on that. No, that's no why stars. I decided to get sober because that was not <laughs> helpful at all. <laughs> no, we'll not revisit that. <laughs> that no. place again. So yeah, there's there's been a lot going on in the last three years for you that have, have kind of uh, piled up on top of each other, but that's awesome. You're going to counseling, you're working through it. I know you and, and Daniel right now are working through some stuff as well. Do you guys go together to counseling? We do. We do. Actually, our last counseling session was probably the hardest counseling session I've ever been in in my life. Um, so Daniel and I met when we were teenagers and we'd be you know, we quickly coupled up, however you call that, what was it, going out when you're 14, but we got... Oh, yeah, because you couldn't say dating. You had to, like, come yeah. up with this, like, really cool, like, oh, yeah. thing to say, we were seeing each other. We're not dating. We're just seeing each other. Well, and we both grew up in a religious environment, so, well, yeah, you talk about... <laughs> when you just look at my recipe for anxiety, like, it's perfect, but, yeah, so we grew up in a religious environment, and you couldn't date then, too. It was, like, Courting, whatever oh, that means. Some weird, I don't understand so, that word. It's like straight yeah. out of Utah. Pretty much. <laughs> it really was. So, but we got married young and um and we were married, gosh, I'm not even gonna figure out how many years it was, like over 10 years when we split up after the hurricane. Because after the hurricane, sometimes I've described it as losing my mind, which I'm not sure is really fair, but like you don't have a touch on what reality is. Um, you don't have a touch on what you want. You, everything just feels out of control. And I remember right before we split up after the hurricane, I looked at him and I said, like, I just want to implode. And that's what it felt like. Like, I just want to blow up everything that I can blow up because it hurts so much. And so I, I did. Um, so we separated and we were separated for three years and some of that was fueled by the hurricane, but the other was at that same time that the hurricane happened, we moved back home and a person came into my life that I now see was a, probably a raging narcissist. And he really got into my head um, and they love bomb. I don't know if you guys have talked about narcissism yet a lot, um, but they, they have this way of love bombing you and making you feel so understood in ways that you've never been before. Um, and that's how they gain their control. So I left Daniel for that person. And, um, you know, after you leave after a year, then they, that's when like the gloves kind of come off and they exhibit control, but they do it like piece by piece. So it's like, they love bomb you and then they take it away and they like shatter you. But, but then once you shatter, they come back and love bomb a little bit. So it's like a drug, like, um, yeah, I watched this TikTok, and I guess correct me if I'm wrong, but they were just basically like, they give you all of the love that they're capable of. And then they go and they do something really horrible to see how far they can push you. And then they yes. kind of come back with some of the love, but not as much of the love. So you're craving yes. that love bomb. And then they keep pushing further and giving you less and pushing further and giving you less. So you're constantly exactly. craving this love that you know that they're capable of and you know oh, yeah. it's there, but they just won't give it to you. So then you're sitting there waiting for it, waiting for it and putting up with all of this crap because yep. you know they're capable of it and they just perfectly describes it. That's exactly it. To a and, so, and, and this same guy got me addicted to um, a hard drug and I will, and I got clean from that drug, but I will still say to this day, it was easier to get clean from that drug than it was to get from him like it's that level of addiction and it's um, hard I mean you watched me do it for how many years I did it when I was really I was 19 20 when I got into that awful relationship and it was the same thing he was just such a narcissist and it was all the love up front and everything I knew he was capable of and you watched oh, it yeah. fall apart and we did it for like four years you guys watched it and were like Marie what is wrong with you get out of yes. this relationship and even watching you go through it I couldn't see it when I was in the middle of it. Like you have these moments of clarity where you're Googling it, like relationship with a narcissist. But then you're you like, think, oh, like it can't be that. Like they have this way of worming into your brain that even now I'm still getting out of it, like working my way out of that mental connection. No one else understands them the way I do and they don't understand our relationship and you don't understand this and that. And you're just in that cycle. It's so hard to break. 
And I feel like you don't want to think that you're capable of being manipulated by somebody like that. You want to think that you're, you're better than that. You know the signs and you know if someone's actually, if you're actually going through the cycle of abuse and it's like, no, you're so manipulated by this person that you can't see the other side of it. Yeah, actually, I think you really hit the nail on the head because I've talked about that before of like, for me, it was, I didn't fit the profile of a woman who could get into an abusive relationship. Like I was very successful in my career and I was very independent and, you know, I was going to therapy and I'm aware and, you know, I can talk the language and I Brene Browned it up and, you know, Glennon Doyle and I have all that language. I knew all that knowledge. I didn't fit that profile. I wasn't a weak woman. So how could I be in a relationship? But then there's also this level, and I don't know if this is a mix of like twisted psychology because that's what narcissists do and a little bit of my religious upbringing, but it was like assuming the best in people. Like I, I, for me, it was like, well, no, it can't be that he's this awful because you assume the best in people and we all have our low spots and you know what I mean? Like almost like this toxic positivity twisting it. And then it keeps you stuck in that pattern for me is kind of what kept it going for so long, but then they isolate you too. Like by the time I was isolated and had to admit, you know, that I had, I, you excuse so many little behaviors that by the time you come out and you're ready to say, no, this is wrong. You could have to go back and say, well, that was wrong too. The, that thing I excused to you and that, you know, that was also wrong. And that's really humbling and it's hard to do and hard to come out of. I believe it, but that's really awesome. And I think you're a really strong person for coming out of it and realizing all of these things and going to therapy and trying to heal yourself from all of that trauma. And I think that's really awesome. And just congratulations on all of that. Thank you. I, you are messy. a badass woman. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, Marie. You saw me at my oh, lowest. Oh, you are. <laughs> oh, it, hey, I'm here to help you walk through it, man. That's what friends are for, right? And if yeah. I had the same experience, I'm totally here for you. And I know that like nobody can talk you out of doing those things that like you're like, nope, I'm in this relationship. I'm in it. No one can talk me out of it. Like they don't understand. They don't know. But for me, I guess in my relationship, like looking back at, at my tipping point or my breaking point where I was like, nope, I'm done. This isn't happening anymore. And trying to keep myself from going back because even you now, I know you have moments where you're like, oh, but this or like, oh, but yeah. he did this and it made me feel like this. And you're still like, oh, do I go back? And you're like, no, you can't. And you break that yeah. cycle. But for me, I guess like the breaking point in my, it was like a very emotional, abusive, like not good relationship. He was very narcissistic as well. Um, was when I went to go visit him, I was still in college and he was just out of college working and we were like on a break or whatever. Oh yeah. You want to call that, you know? Oh yeah. We were oh, on yeah. a break. Yes. Oh, yeah. How many times thing. do you break up with this person or they break oh, up with you? So many. So many. But we were on a break or whatever. And we decided I would come visit him. And I went to go use his bathroom, like in his master bedroom at the apartment he was living in. And there was a used condom in the garbage can. And I kind of like went through it in my head a little bit and I was like you know, this guy claims he's so in love with me and couldn't live without me. And like, I'm his one and only and was like talking about like proposing marriage and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, what the heck? Like, what is this? And so I confronted him later that evening and he shut himself in his bedroom, locked me out and would not talk to me. And I sat in the hallway outside of his bedroom crying and begging him to talk to me and have a conversation about it for four and a half hours. And looking back on that, I'm like, what kind of person does that? Who am I? Like, who was that girl? Like, what is going on? And for me, after looking back on that, I was just like, nope, that's it. I'm done. I can't do that anymore. Like, I don't want to be that person. I think that was the girl with hope. And I think that's what narcissists thrive on is women like us who have hope and believe in the best in people. But, and I think you actually touched upon right too, when you talked about like sitting out there for four hours and I was explaining it recently to a friend, like, you don't have time to figure out that there's a problem with the relationship because I can't tell you, I mean, it was probably weekly. You have this eight hour argument over text and voice and you're arguing over reality. Like narcissists are notorious cheaters and you, I would find a clear evidence he had cheated. He would deny it. Like I'm looking at the text, I'm looking at the picture and he would deny it, but you spend 
eight hours arguing about it. Then you're so goddamn exhausted, you know, by the time they work you down and then you're like, oh, I forgive you. Oh, I love you. Oh, we'll work on it. And you're just exhausted by the end. So then we would like go to the bar and then get drunk probably to cope. And then you wake up the next day and then you have a hangover and you can kind of do two days with that. And then the cycle starts and there's just no time to go. Something is Wait wrong. a second. Yeah. This is not right. Exactly. Exactly. You know? They thrive on your exhaustion, but they also thrive on your hope. Like you said, that that girl that believes in them and that's what they thrive on. Well, then then there's also the, like, we were on a break, so it wasn't cheating and you didn't want to be with you, so it wasn't cheating. Except if you did the same thing, then it was cheating. Oh, that wonderful double standard. Wonderful double standard. And then for me, you know, when I finally got up the courage to leave, and I can't tell you how many times I tried to leave, how many times, especially this last year that I broke up and he would show up at my house and he wouldn't leave. And he would, I remember he called me 37 times in one hour, one time. Like, and if you blocked him, then he'd show up and they just stalk you and, and get after you until you come back. So when I left, I had to leave town. I literally drove four hours away, did not tell him my location. And and just kind of, it was almost like a detox period. But when I came back, he, um, there was still a little bit of back and forth, which was my fault. I should have had no contact. Um, but in hopes of, like, I was hoping that if I sent him like this angry email that he would leave me alone. And so I sent him this like, you know, ex-girlfriend angry email. And he broke into my house that night twice with my children in the house and physically attacked me. And so for me, it like just went to show like narcissists will stop at nothing to lose their control over you. And we're actually still in the middle of that court case um, where he's facing charges for doing that. Um, but he also still denies his reality. And we live in a, you know, he denies nothing happened. He still has people around him supporting that, that story. Um, and so they have a way of building this community around them where they make you think that you're the one who's crazy and that's how they keep their control as well. Yeah, it's super, super hard. And I know like kind of talking with you and mine didn't end like physically abusively. It was really emotionally abusive, but even just now talking with you, like I haven't talked to this person that I was in a relationship or been with him in years. And even four months ago, a package showed up at my door from him. And I was like, Are, like I moved. I changed my phone number. He doesn't know my address. He would have had to like Google me because I bought a house. So I'm registered somewhere on some public you know, forum, right? So he would have had to like research me essentially to figure out where I lived and send me this package of stuff that I got him for like our first Christmas together when I was 19. And he always wrote these handwritten letters about how terrible I was and how awful I was and how I ruined his life and all this other oh, stuff. Yes. And it's just like the, the guilt, the guilt cycle is insane. Yeah. It is. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can understand that now too. Cause like, even now we've had mutual friends ask me like, well, do you want him to go to prison? Do you want to ruin his life? And like, yeah, the responsibility- I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. He ruined my life. So he, yeah. these are the consequences that happen when you break into somebody's house and you assault them, you go to jail. Yeah. That's not exactly. what I decided. Yes. That's what the law decided and what normal people decided. So I'm not ruining his life. He made yes. these choices to go to jail. He ruined his life. Yeah, he yes. ruined his own life. But we put it back on the woman all the time. Like it's, and that's like, people ask, you know, why is it so hard to get out of these relationships? Like, I don't think they understand the power that community holds and the things that protect men like this. Like I... I guess maybe I'm a little cynical still, but you know, when stories come out of women being killed, especially having been through this situation, and that's not to say I'm not facing death threats, um, but I wonder how much the community ignored and didn't address. Like men like this don't happen by accident. It happens, like they continue to exist in communities because no one does anything about it or because we downplay it and we don't believe women or we say like, well, they're a good guy to me. Well, yeah, notori- narcissists are notorious for being great guys to everybody else but their partner. That's what they're good at, you know? And, and I had one friend say to me like, well, why didn't you tell me, you know, any, like, because I didn't talk about it with other people. I didn't talk about, you know, when we get into an argument, he'd slam on the brakes and I'd slam my forehead into the dash 
because um, we live in a small town, I don't usually wear a seatbelt. Please wear seatbelts. I've changed my role on that. But, you know, I didn't talk about that with people. I didn't talk about the, you know, names he called me. But I remember saying to her, like, he physically assaulted me. You're still friends with him. Why would I think you'd believe me when I said he, you know, he said some mean words to me? And I, I really think for me, it's been eye-opening that this is a community problem and narcissists thrive on isolating their victims. And if we're going to heal this, if we're going to address this, if we don't want blood on our hands as communities, when this happens to women in our communities, then we need to address what's happening. And no, there's no like allowing them to coexist while they're still continuing to lie. Like if someone wants to get help and, and address their problems, great. But if someone's continuing to lie, then no, they're, they're not wanting help. And to just kind of blind, like turn a blind eye to it, I think makes you an active participant in what they're doing because they'll continue to do this to other people. I was oh, by no means his absolutely. first. I won't be his last until this is addressed. Yeah. And I know like growing up in the small community that we did in the community you still live in, it's definitely, I don't know if I want to say easier, but like easier to point that finger or say like, hey, our community is encouraging this. Britt, I know you grew up like around here in Eau Claire and stuff like that. It's it's a much bigger community now that I live here and know that. Is there kind of that same stigma in this bigger community, do you think? Um, I grew up in Altoona, which is just outside of Eau Claire, and it's a pretty small area. And I remember... I was in middle school and I came out with saying that this, there was this futon in one of our teacher's rooms and I was really cold. So I had a blanket on and this guy sat next to me and he put his hand on my thigh and I was just like, okay, what? Like, I kind of liked him and I was just like, whatever, like, he's not going to do anything. We're in class. And he just slowly started to keep bringing his arm up my thigh and he put his hands into my pants and then I flung his hand out and I told a teacher about it. The teacher told the principal, the police got involved. And I remember the police officer looking at me and sitting down and being like, is this true? Are you willing to ruin somebody's like reputation over this? Like, and I was just like, and I'm just sitting there sobbing. And I'm like, this guy put his hand down my pants. No, he didn't like do like, no, he didn't, you know, do some of, something more extreme I guess but like this is traumatizing like I'm in seventh grade in this yeah you're so young yeah and we're already allowing seventh grade boys to do this and we're gonna allow them to think that this is okay like this and to grow up like that yeah and so I think that I think that being in the midwest we we want to think that these men or we allow these men to be untouchable because we put them on this high pedestal and we live in a very Christian and Catholic community, which predominantly in this area anyway, which is a very patriarchal viewpoint. And I just think that that kind of puts a damper on like women being able to come out with these stories because they know that men hold all this power in this community. And So I think in small communities like Altoona, absolutely, like there's a very big, it's just sad. But I think in Eau Claire, it's a little bit different. There's more of that. We believe women when they come out a little bit. I think it's not all the way there and we still have a lot of work to do, but I think Eau Claire is at least moving towards that a little bit. That's I should acknowledge too, we do have some predominant community members who have reached out to me and said, we believe you and what can we do to support you? And for them, I'll be ever thankful. But for me, my most shocking thing was, and I mean, I make no secret of it, I'm as liberal as you can get. Um, But it's actually, the most shocking thing to me was that some of my more liberal friends were the ones that were kind of bringing that toxic positivity to the situation, like, well, you know, toxic positivity. It's so like, let people feel grief. Let people feel sad. Let people feel those feelings. So that way they can get to the other side of it by suppressing that you're just harming them. Well, my thing too is like, and especially in small communities, like up here where we're pretty whitewashed. um, Like I see a bunch of people and, you know, they'll share their memes about, you know, Black Lives Matter, which I fully support. Um, 
and and bullied women and all those things, they share the means. But when push comes to shove in reality and their sphere of influence, they just want to shut up. Or, you know, I've you know, I've I've heard people say too, like, well, no, I don't I don't believe him, but I don't like Lacey, so obviously I'm not gonna side with her either. Like this isn't about personal issues, it's about a larger problem that you know it affects more than me but but back to you also that toxic positivity of like well we you know i don't believe in the justice system so you know it, his his consequences shouldn't be punitive they should be you know healing and the community should come around you guys and heal each other and that's all well and good for someone who's willing to admit what they did wrong but a narcissist but, or, isn't going to do that Exactly. It's been or, proven time and time again that they will not admit fault. Exactly. Or the or I guess um this particular person has stopped drinking and doing drugs. And I'll have people come back to me and see, like, oh see, he's making changes. And then I continuously have to go back to he's not facing charge like what he did against me wasn't drinking, it wasn't drugs. That's not what he was arrested for that night. What he did was assault me, and that's what he continues to lie about. He continues to lie about the abuse. So until you're honest about what you actually did, I'm not sure there can be healing. But once again, that goes back to, we put all that weight back on the person who was harmed. And that's usually women. And, and the mental strain, I think that that puts on us women. Like I can't tell you how many other women I've talked to, like going through this court case is exhausting and it's mentally taxing. And I have anxiety as it is. And I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to just say, never mind i can't do it and sometimes it does feel like a whole judicial process is designed to wear you down um and and that plays a huge role i think in harming mental health and and the fight that comes out of that i get why women give up i really do the justice system is very much catered to white powerful men yes and i think it's really really disheartening to yes. know that they have power just from their gender and from their skin color. And I wish people would acknowledge that a little bit more. Oh yeah. 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 And good on you for not giving up. I mean, your whole story and kind of when you, we came to me because you knew I went through something like this and we talked about it and like, I was so mad for you and for everything that you had to go through that 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 was basically my catalyst for this podcast and why I reached out to Britt and was like, hey, do you want to do this with me? Because like my friend went through something and it was awful and I want to like talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's get it out there. Let's make it known. Homer, you're going to make me cry. And you've been pivotal for me. Like I, I can't say how many times I've reached out to Marie. And so that's the other weird thing too, is you miss your abuser. Um, and I don't think it's that you miss your abuser. You miss the routine. It's familiar, and I can't tell you how many times I've reached out to Marie and said I'm, I'm having a moment, and she's pushed me through it. Or Marie, you were really pivotal. So many times, narcissists teach you to excuse their abuse, and Marie kept having to go back to like he physically assaulted you. Like, I, and even the cops had to argue with me a little bit too because I was like, well, it felt a little say? harsh at times too. I was like, lazy. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Like he, and what he did was, so the paper put it that he um, assaulted me with a dog toy, which I think everyone pictures like a stuffed animal, but it was like a five pound jolly ball on a rope um, that he hit me with multiple times. And I remember like telling the cops and I kept saying like, well, I mean, I sent him that angry email <laughs> and the cops were like, ma'am, he physically, like, there were bruises up and down my leg, like, and it's a plastic, like, you can imagine the whip on that thing. But they get you such in that mind cycle of, like, it's always your fault. It's not that bad. That, and, and so walking out of that, you know, Marie has played a pivotal role in just, like, no, physically assaulted you. Yes, you were abused. No, you're not the bad person. So what? You sent an angry email. That's kind of normal after a breakup. Like, not illegal it's not illegal to send angry emails it is illegal to beat people and to break into your home like with your children Twice. there that's Twice. just yeah, insane to me that it yeah i remember saying to him too like the kids are in the house and him going i don't care 
And if that doesn't wrap up what a narcissist is, I don't know what does. He That's didn't care. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. Even, I can't but it's even kind of worse that they're like, he's sober now. So now he's better. Like, don't you want to like congratulate him on being better? I would just like everybody to know that no matter what low point I was at in my alcoholism and my drug use, did I ever think it was okay to break into somebody's house and beat the crap out of them? Like, right. like that is not a normal thing to do. And in no shape or form, should we be condoning his sobriety as like, I mean, it is great, like good for him for, you know, trying to clean up, but like, that doesn't excuse anything that he did. Like, no, at all. It's false sobriety. Like, yeah, you took out the drugs and the alcohol, but you didn't take out the bad behaviors. You didn't do any of the growth and the learning that comes with that. Like, you're just putting a gold shiny star on a piece of crap. Like, that's all you're doing. Right. You're taking care of the symptoms, but not the disease. Exactly. Well, and, you know, some of his most abusive moments to me were not when he was drinking. They were when he was sober. Like, so it's not when he slammed on the first... <laughs> Right. Like, that's... When he slammed on the brakes and set my head into the dashboard more than once, you know, he was sober. He wasn't drunk when he did that. He was clean from drugs all summer. And this summer was the worst hell, I think, of all the relationship because, you know, we were two years in. He had totally had his, like, he totally had his hooks in me and he knew it. Um, so, no, that's, that's not the issue. Like, we're over here trying to address this issue that's not the problem or it contributes to the problem, maybe. But the problem is, I think, and I don't want to deny that women, there can be women narcissists too, but as far as my experience that we have men taking advantage of women and having very covert ways of abuse and we're not addressing it. And when it does come out, we handle the situation in ways that only makes it easier for it to continue happening. Like I... I remember when Marilyn Manson came out like this last week, I was like, yeah, not surprised. And I'm sure everybody around him was aware of the problem going on. They just, they don't want to get involved because it's too awkward or it's weird or whatever reason. But we are responsible as a collective for this, this problem. And I have been responsible as well, you know, looking the other way. Yeah. And I think a lot of people also think as like of abuse as like physical harm, Mm -hmm. which yes, happened to you in your situation, and it's awful. And yes, that is a form of abuse, but abuse is also emotional. It's not just physical. Like, I never experienced physical abuse. That's not something I ever want to experience, and I, you know, was so mad that it happened to you. But, like, I experienced, and you experienced, and I'm sure Britt has in her lifetime, too, like, emotional abuse. It's rough. It's worse than the physical. For me, it was. I don't know what it is for other people, but for me... Yeah, the physical was awful. Don't get me wrong. But the emotional and, and mental, God, that's taken a, like my bruises heal really quickly. The, the, the mind's screw, I'll pick a different word. <laughs> it's another word of thinking that happens with, with that. Like that takes so long to get out of. Like even still, and oh, I didn't get to that part. So I finally did leave and I realized like, oh my God, I have this really wonderful man who I still love very much. Um, and we, so we officially had been divorced six months, made it that long. We're apart for three, but we're divorced for six months. And I went back to him and I, I did, I forgot to tell him that I had left the, that person. And I was like, oh my gosh, Daniel, we should, we should get back together and work on this relationship. And he looked at me like I had sprouted a second head, like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, lady? Like, you got somebody else. Like, that's why we're not together right now. Like, what are you that's doing? What I love, I love Daniel. Love it. <laughs> that's what he said, too. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I We've been broken up for like a month. I was just waiting to tell you. <laughs> oh, my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really book smart. I'm not really good at common sense. Um, But so we we we've been working through it took him a little bit and i don't want to deny the journey that happened for him too because narcissists are pervasive and i can look back now and see that this person was trying to get me away from daniel um i don't think that was what was driving but it did play a part i'm responsible for leaving i will not deny that but he was playing a part and that caused damage on daniel's part too but he has been such a wonderful partner and that healing journey has been so good but even still, there'll be little things 
I'm trying to think of an example, but that come from that narcissistic relationship that still affect our relationship today of like knowing that, you know, it's, it's, it sounds trivial, but it's not, but like, I remember it was almost punishment or like this person got joy out of not telling me I was beautiful or making me feel ugly and down. And so now Daniel will say it and he sincerely means it, but I can't accept it still. Um, and, and that's part of that therapy journey is because they break you down so much and you really do believe you're worthless and you're awful. And, and so coming out of that and going into a relationship, but I don't necessarily recommend that you should just jump into the next relationship. We had a little bit different of a history of two kids and 20 years together, but, but it, it takes so long to accept love even after like you, I'm still working on that. And I, I don't know what. Honestly, shout out to Daniel because that man oh. loves you so much. Yes. He loves you so much. And he's the sweetest man. Like, shout out so to Daniel. Nice. He's the greatest. Yes. He deserves like all the praise. And don't get me wrong, we've had our issues, but I mean, who doesn't? Damn, those are fixable issues. <laughs> <laughs> those are things he's worth not... working on. Yes, he's such a good man. Um and and I played a role too in in, in downplaying how good of a man he was the last three years. Um, but he's such a wonderful man. Sorry, not to like gush about my husband of you can do 20 that. years that I've fallen back in love with. <laughs> You're allowed to be happy and gush. No, shout out to this gen- next generation too, because um, we haven't hid much from our kids. Not that like we purposely told them things, but they heard that person that night. Um, my daughter laid in bed shaking. Um, and and for them, I think it's actually been, good's not the right word, but they recognize, I think they recognize abusive situations in a way that even our, like my generation as a millennial doesn't, like they're less under, they're less willing to accept it. And, and it's even held as like a standard in the house, like my son the other day said something like, well, you know, this person over here, they're acting like so-and-so referring to my ex. <laughs> like, they're just not good. <laughs> and oh, so no. they, and um, a mutual friend of ours had a picture of him in their house. He was at, he's friends with their child. And they had a picture of my attacker in, in their house. And my son told his friends and the friend went up to their parent and was like, you should take that down. That's a bad man. Oh my and God, that's amazing. I so love they, that. Love it. I mean, I worry if my child or if my children saw this man on the street because I'm pretty sure they would let him have a because pe- I let them have a piece of their mind. But I think for them, it's like they believe in this world. Like there's no doubt for them that Black Lives Matter. There's no doubt for them that we believe women. There's no doubt at all. Um, and so I'm excited for this next generation. But also, like for my daughter, I think she sees the signs better than I do of a person not being safe. Um, Like, I think she picked up on it. Um, She was always pretty standoffish toward him. And, you know, it's come out later that she's like, something just didn't feel right, mom. And, and she could pick up on it, I think, in a way that, that I wasn't raised to. Like, I'm so excited for Gen Z. Gen Z is going to kick ass and they're going to talk about it. power to them. Except yeah, fun of me being a millennial with my skinny jeans and my side part and my yes. crying emoji. You know what? Oh my goodness. Those are the staples of my personality. So don't yes. and don't our come generation. Yes. Like, like let like our generation kid. have that. Yes. You guys can have your middle them. part and be hot when you're 13. Like good for you. Glad <laughs> you got that. Just let me have my awkward <laughs> middle school pictures and my side yes. part. Thank you very much. And my generational trauma that I'm breaking for you. Exactly. Exactly. No, I love being a millennial. I'll embrace it. But no, I can, you can just see like the generations getting, I think, just better each generation there is as far as social justice issues go. Like, I forget what's the generation right above millennials, but like my friends of mine, you know, when we come to because I've spoken about this publicly and I've written about this incident online. I'm a writer. That's what I do. Um, and, you know, God help you if you ever heard a writer because <laughs> we write about it. You will they will destroy famous. you. The internet <laughs> oh, is a Lacey will murder thing. you with her words. Yes. <laughs> it's not that I'm 
out to get people. I'm just speaking honestly and candidly about what you did. Like you wrote the story. I just put it to support words. it. Heck yeah. Yes. You broke but, into my house. I just decided to write about it. Exactly. But the generation right about me, my friends in that generation are like, why are you talking publicly about that? Like this is, we don't do that. And like, yeah, you're, that's dying. We do talk about it because what we don't talk about, we don't fix. Like if you want to fix it, talk about it and make it normal. Um, and I, hey, yo, yeah, point of this podcast. <laughs> We're not letting men yes, off the hook anymore. Make people circle. <laughs> so, but also with that has been, um, I just recently told Mary, I've gone off my anxiety medication, which when I told her, I was like, man, I went off my medication. It's a rough day. She's like, why are you off your medication? <laughs> um, but it's, it was in conjunction with my doctor and therapist. There's good um, reason. There's good reason. <laughs> um, but we're really testing like how much of, for me, and I'm a huge proponent of like take medication, like when you need it. Um, but they're testing for me if, if I needed it because it was situational and in an abusive situation, or if this is something that I can manage, you know, now that I'm out. Um, and so far it's going so well. Um, you could ask my family around me. The first two weeks were rough. Um, I think my family would murder me if I went off my anxiety meds. So props to you for being able to do that. I don't, and I was on them for so long, so we'll see where this goes, but this is a, I'm in uncharted waters right now, because I, for so long, have been like, take your medication, you need your medication, and I still believe that, but um, for me, it also just exemplifies how much worse abusive situations can make your anxiety, or maybe rather what I'm, what I'm realizing is that abusers take advantage of the fact that you you have anxiety. Like, I can't tell you how many times he would just beat me down emotionally and I would go into a panic attack and he would make it, you know, see, it's just you. It's, you have anxiety. This is you. You just emotionally can't handle life. Like, can't handle anything. Like, they know how to, they know how to hit those triggers and they know how to send you into a spiral. And they make you feel like you need them to get through this anxiety. Like you okay. are the earth, the sun, and the stars, and you need them more than you've realized. And they're going to teach you that by beating you down at every chance oh, yeah. they get. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Hit the nail on the head. It's totally it. There's like one other thing that I want to touch on too, because I know in our small community, I've heard this. I'm not going to say from who, obviously, but like you, you have kids. You're a mom. You went through this as a mom. You are in no way a bad mother. Your kids are amazing. They were raised to be awesome, like, and recognize those signs and stuff. Just because they went through this with you and saw you go through this does not make you a bad mother. Yeah. That's not to deny, like, I I do want to take a little bit of ownership. Like, I struggled for two years with a drug addiction and a drinking problem and was not a good mom. But... That also had to do a lot with PTSD and being in an abusive relationship. And raising kids with resiliency before that happened, I think is, like, I'm still looking at them going, how did you come out of this so unscathed? And, you know, we're doing the therapy, we're doing the things. But, like, for the most part, they're okay. <laughs> like, they're even, they've said to us even, like, why are you looking for stuff? Like we, we're okay. You know, when we talk I about love, your kids things. are awesome. Yeah. They yeah. are amazing. I think that just proves that you've set such a good foundation. And I think that just exemplifies how good of a mom you are, that you're able to, no matter what happens, you and your family will hold together and you'll get through anything. And they know that. And I think that that's something that you should definitely be proud of. Thank you. I'll take that today. I'm going to take that. Thank you. I'm working on accepting compliments. You and me both. That's like something my therapist and I go through. We can't say, oh, thank you, but no, it's just thank you. I accept. Thank you. And to that's, I cannot, and and not to love gosh, I'm Marie, but I could do it all day. But like we, we joke, it's our, you know, our squad. We have this group of four of us women and I could not do it without those three. Um, and to also see, like, I think, oh my God, I don't usually cry. Sorry. Stop. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) Yeah. But like those three 
saw me at my worst and they saw me at a place where I didn't even recognize myself. And I mean, I wouldn't have stayed friends with me, but they continued to believe in me. And, and I think this is kind of what we do. Like some groups is like gossip, but I sometimes feel like when one of us is in a hard spot, the other three are like convening, like, what are we going to do about this and how are we going to help it? And I, I know that happened with me and I cannot be more thankful. Like you need your people. And I think especially as women, like we're a tribal people. Um, and it's, you know, thousands of years ago, it was women together. And I, I don't know what, like shout out to Marie, Jenna and Shauna, because I wouldn't have made it through this season without them. And I know there are going to be days coming up still that I won't make it without them. And and you need your people. And when you have those good people, like stick with them, keep them, keep them close. Um, and yeah, we, we have our issues and we get our little annoyances, but you guys kept believing in me and seeing the real me like past all the bullshit, even when I could not. Oh my God. You guys are like my longest standing friends. And it's funny because we are such an age range, the four of us. Yes. I'll be 26 in a few months. Shauna's going to be 40 in a few months. Like we're yes. restaurant friends through and through, but I, you're my longest standing like group of friends. And I, even me being far away and you guys all living in the same town, like we are all still so close and so tight. And I am thankful for you guys every day. It's true. It's, uh, I love how, like, I think this one goes to show, like you can withstand distance. So just love you guys. <laughs> Just crying and gushing on a podcast about yeah. each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Britt, do you have any questions? No, not really. I've just enjoyed talking. <laughs> it's been so nice to meet you. I've heard so much great things about you. So many great things. I'm an English major over here making really bad grammatical errors. So many great things about you. And it's so nice to meet you finally. I've loved listening to your guys' podcast. Yeah, you're so sweet. You guys are doing what we need. We all need to talk about this. Do you want to talk about like your kids and their journey at all, or do you want to leave them out of this? No, we can talk about their journey. We're really an open book as a family. We don't hide anything. Yeah. Because I know, like, Britt, some of your, like, I know, is it Leighton or Lennon that goes to therapy and then your son goes to therapy a little bit yeah Mm Layton goes to therapy he's been going for a little while um and then Maddox is actually starting my son um I guess they're all my kids but my biological son um he's starting on Monday Um, just with me being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and it running in families I just wanted to Mm -hmm. give him that foundation and that support and get early screening so that way he doesn't have which I think is amazing so he doesn't have to go through the same um, self-medication, I guess, that yes. I went through and give him more foundation building blocks that are heckin' healthy. Yes. I think, you know, it's unavoidable. We put stuff on our kids as parents. Like, we make them live under stress. We're people. We're bumping up against each other. Um, and there are certain levels of, like, yeah, you just, really screwed up the kids you know like those parents that do that um but I think like it, for me it's been embracing it's unavoidable that they're gonna just by nature being close to me my shit's gonna get on them a little bit and that it's okay to go to therapy and and talk about those things but also they live with a mom who has anxiety and depression like they lived with me and watched me go through an abusive relationship and um like anxiety is a word that we throw around in our house pretty regularly and easily. Like they know what a panic attack looks like and they know it's giving them a language and an ability to talk about it and and to learn how to talk about things. I've been going to therapy for most of my adult life. I still need to go. There's still things I need to like, just need a little help working through. And I know that's the case with them as well. Um, But also seeing that difference and like what I was raised with where therapy was like a bad word, like you had to go to therapy just because you were crazy. Um, Did you grow up, at least this is how I grew up and I've kind of touched on this a little bit. You don't need therapy. That's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. You just need to pray more and you need to be, 
you need to devote more of your time to God. And that's what your issue is. It's not that you're mentally ill. It's that you're yes. straying away from God. Yes. Or just you need to be a little stronger. It's like somehow it's God. And then it's also like, you're just not emotionally strong enough. Like the phrase that got thrown out to me a lot as a child was like, you're just so emotional. And I remember my therapist and I talking about that recently because we just did um, attachment style therapy. I don't know if you guys have done this or heard of it, but could not recommend it um, more, but it's an interview just to kind of figure out like, what's your attachment style? And, and then working through that because attachment isn't fixed. It's, it's something you can change um, to move into secure attachment. But for me, it was, I was constantly told like, you're just so emotional. And my therapist finally went, yeah, that's good. <laughs> like the opposite of that is sociopath. You want to yeah, rather have me have no emotions and right. like you feel things like, go and <laughs> kick a kid and not feel anything about it. Like I could be that. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, like it's seriously, like, like, like I don't know. No, like, no, people, you're right. Like, like, what do you want as an alternative? Like, sorry, I cried because my brother pinched me and it hurt. Like, right. God, right. I didn't think that that was the worst thing in the world that I cried over it. Yeah. And there, and I had, I was in, I had really big emotions as a child, but I was also in an environment where there was also addiction going on. Um, and it wasn't the healthiest environment. Um, and so as a result, and it wasn't talked about, that's the other thing. We didn't talk about it. Nobody was talking about it. And that drove me crazy. And from, so for me, it's always been, I'm going to give my kids an environment where we talk about it. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is. And there are certain levels of like, no, you don't need to know those details yet. Um, but we're going to talk about it. And, and we're going to feel the feelings and we're going to talk about the things. Um, and that for them, I think really, and not to toot my own horn, but I do think that has changed um, how the situation could have gone. And it's not what I got as a child and it's the gift I can give them. So are you religious still or is that something that's gone by the wayside for you and your family? I am maybe more woo-woo. <laughs> can you define woo-woo for me so I can potentially join this religious spiritual cult? I, I, mm, strangely, I have taken comfort in some of the old practices from religion. Um, but I, I definitely think there's an energy out there or, you know, kind of what you put out is what you get back a little bit. Um, I like astrology. I'll do the crystals. I'll burn the sage. Um, I think there's a connectedness to an inner knowing. Um, kind of just what wrong. makes you feel good what makes you feel yes. secure what makes you feel yes. safe yes. yeah over Christmas time so I so I grew up evangelical and um and then like slowly over adult time like transitioned into the Episcopal church which I used to joke is like the exit interview out of Christianity like okay we can accept all the things now leave um not <laughs> I definitely think there are Episcopals out there that find that very valuable for me it was the exit interview before I could finally embrace that you know we don't need all these rules and actually some of this is kind of fucked up screwed up sorry um but uh but one of the things in the Episcopal church is they they have like verses you read every day. They call it the, I forget what it's called, like the hours. You read them in the morning and at night. And over the fall, I actually, I would read them as like poetry. Um, and I found that very soothing and therapeutic, probably because it related back to my childhood. But I think there is a beauty, like there's definitely some truth in, in the things that are written there, but the fire and brimstone stuff you can keep. And I think it tends to focus a little too much on like, well, I'll never be perfect. And so that's used as an excuse for not getting better. And I don't know. I, I think we can definitely rise above a lot of things. And I think we can definitely be the best versions of ourselves. So I, I don't know. Is that a good answer for religion? <laughs> that's my woo-woo. I think so. And I, I still read my horoscope every day. I'm a true Libra, as Libra as you can get. I'm a Libra too. Are you really? What yes, day? Yes, I am. Uh, September 25th. I'm a September Libra. 
Okay. I'm in October. Well, actually, so God bless Daniel. Me and, so my kids and I are all like our birthdays are within two weeks of each other. So it's all three Libras and he's a Sagittarius. So <laughs> he gets so sick of our like balance and never making a decision. <laughs> That's why you need him. Cause then he can just make all the decisions. I do leave you, it to him. You I'm, bring the options what... and he makes yes. the decisions. I think it actually works that way. way. We actually did that last night with what we were going to do for dinner. Because so. I awesome. hate making a decision. Is that when Daniel cut up an entire bowl of tomatoes for taco night? Oh my God. <laughs> Sometimes he makes the wrong decision. Amazing. Amazing. We were supposed to have taco salad the other night and he cut up like 10 tomatoes and maybe a half a head of romaine. So it was like, <laughs> and like six avocados. Like Lacey sent us this avocado. picture of her kitchen island. She was like, um, this is supposed to be taco salad. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> Can you even call that a taco salad when it's just lettuce, tomato, and avocado? He loves like tomatoes. deconstructed salsa. <laughs> you could call it a you could call it a vegan BLT, I guess. <laughs> I think I was like working late that night too, so I was just like I'm so thankful to have a partner who shares in equal duties of household chores, but this is not the right way to do it. <laughs> oh no. All that's coming to my mind is, have you heard that song, White People Taco Night? Oh, oh my God. White People so... Taco Night. Yeah. And it's like, oh God, it's so awesome. You need to listen to it because that's all I'm thinking about as your husband is like preparing Taco Night is the song white people taco day he, he is that, white is, that was he it he is very white that was it. <laughs> that's awesome. maybe that's why i'm native american maybe that's why we make our tacos differently yes <laughs> he's, he's very white <laughs> but he likes flavor so i'll give him that and he did man. you guys well <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'll never forget that <laughs> Kind of wrap everything up. Is there like one piece of advice or anything that you'd want to give to anybody that is in like a narcissistic relationship or is kind of coming to that realization or any kind of last words? You know, I've thought about that a lot and I've wondered and I still wonder, you know, was there something that could have been said to me that would have helped me open my eyes? And I think sometimes the sad truth is that it just takes time. Um, and, you know, I've had women ask me like what they can do, you know, with their daughters to raise them to not get into these kinds of relationships. And I think just the sad reality that comes out of all this is you can't narcissist proof your children and you can't narcissist proof yourself. And, and I think that's what made me feel like a failure for so long was like that there was something within me like I was so weak that somehow I got involved in this and that's just not the case. Like there's no profile that fits getting into an abusive relationship. Um, I think anyone that can happen to anyone, just like a car accident can happen to anyone. And it, you can be a strong woman and be in a, in a narcissist relationship. But then I think there's also a level of self-forgiveness that's involved and that's used against you too. Like I covered up so much like his his biggest defender was me and 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 I made excuses for so much or I just didn't talk about it or I I really wanted to believe he was that great man so I would praise him more than he deserved um and then you know people will use that against me now of like well you said all these things or you didn't tell us but I think just you know it's okay to forgive yourself for covering up. Like you're just trying to survive. And I think that's the thing. When you're in a narcissist relationship, you're just trying to survive day to day. You don't have mental energy to be thinking about much else. Um, and maybe just, just start with that, that it's okay that you're, yes, you're still a strong woman and you're in this and, and then to forgive yourself for staying as long as you did, you know, yeah, you definitely have to forgive yourself. You gotta, you gotta move on because otherwise, it's just gonna eat you alive forever. Yeah. Is that? Have you done that, Marie? Do you feel like you're still on that journey of self forgiveness, or are you? Um, I, 
I am. I struggle, obviously, still, like, with relationships. And we kind of talked about this the last time I was over at your house over Christmas and we all got together. It's, like, I now am so picky. And, like I said, like, if you didn't have Daniel to go back to, how picky would you be right now? Like, I can't date. I can't do it. I feel like, do, I don't know if you had this, but do you feel like you second guess everything sometimes? Like, I had the constancy oh, yeah. of 20 years with Daniel, so there's like this, what's that called, where you have like the, the control substance? Like, I have that, but I don't know if I could, okay. if I were in your, I really commend you, and I know you have a hard task in front of you, of like, finding a life partner after it that you're just now meeting, because they can really dupe you really fast. Yeah, it's hard. And it's, it's something that I I'm working on is becoming comfortable with just being myself and being by myself. um, And not needing or like needing to lean on like a life partner, a boyfriend or something like that. It's, it's accepting me for who I am and what my emotions are and what I have to go through and that living alone is okay and being alone is okay. And that I think I have to accept first before I jump back into trying to do anything else. It's funny you say that. So I actually have a little bit of insecurity that I know it looks like I just jumped from one relationship to the next. And it's been one of my biggest fears that people think that I'm using Daniel as a backup. Like, oh, it didn't work out with this other guy. So she just went back to what's safe. Um, And for me, it was finally waking up to like, I have had, I have struggled to accept love my whole life. Um, And, you know, things can be good. And I will destroy them because of my own childhood and whatnot. And my narcissist relationship would use that against me. Like if I pointed out that something was wrong, he would say, well, you just can't accept love. You've said that. Um, But for me, it was really opening up to like, this is really what love looks like. It's you just work on yourself. You each go to therapy. You each do your own thing. Um, And yeah, there are flaws and it can be hard. But it, it's good, and it's okay that it feels good. Um, so for me, it's been, I've really had a lot of, had to reckon with a lot of my own self-insecurity of, like, I don't want people to think that I just can't be alone. Um, oh, yeah. No, not at all. Daniel's amazing, and we're all, at least I know our, our little squad is very happy that you guys are back together. We adore <laughs> Daniel. Um, but, yeah. It's, we're excited for it's, that wedding. <laughs> it would be different. John and I have already talked about it. We're very excited. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. I guess thank you for for being this open with us and for joining us. Thanks for having me. I feel so honored. Yeah, it was awesome. And I'm so proud of you and your story. We're proud of you. You're amazing. Love fest. We'll all be proud of each other. Yay! Yay! <laughs> supporting women. Yes. <laughs> well, Britt, do you want to do our our little outro where people can reach us? Uh, yeah. So. Thanks, Lacey. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode. Um, If you have any questions or comments or just want to reach out for whatever reason, um, you can catch us on our Instagram at gloomsquad, G-L-O-O-M-S-Q-U-A-A-A-D. Or you can check us on our email at gloomsquadpod at gmail.com. Thanks, and we will see you next time. Bye.